This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hi, everybody. David Lasondak here. Welcome. Today on our show, we have Gerald DeYoung. Gerald and I met on the internet. Uh, through a mutual friend, and we had a lot of discussions about Tensegrity and about the Fascia Congress and if he could get involved, and things happened. His models are amazing. I fell in love with them, and when I saw them in person, it was even better. We're going to talk about how he came to have this very interesting hobby. So if Tensegrity talk is what you're into, now we're going to be talking about a workshop, and that workshop, my understanding is, is kind of sold out. Here's the deal. You sign up on the workshop and there's going to be a live Zoom class next weekend, the first weekend in March of 2023. And you get to build one of these 10 Segrity models together with Gerald. But there's not going to be enough time to get a model from the Netherlands to your house by then. But they are letting people sit in and watch and you can get your model and build it later if that's how you want to do. We'll have a link in the show notes to that workshop. You can also let them know that you'd like to participate in a future workshop if this one doesn't work out for you. And there's going to be a special on Tensegrity models for Body Talk listeners. So uh, stay tuned for that at the end of the show. And in the meantime, I am going to be in both London and Berlin in the beginning of May doing a couple of workshops with my friend Gary Carter and there'll be links to that in the show notes too if you want more information but let's just get right into this interview uh Gerald and I just started talking on zoom and before you know it we were into it before we ever made it formal so I'm just going to roll right into my discussion of Tensegrity Tensegrity models with Gerald de Jong here on Body Talk A computer scientist originally. I studied mm -hmm. mathematics uh, back in the day, mm -hmm. and uh, I've been uh, fascinated by tensegrity from early on uh, because I encountered it and I was uh, curious about it. So I um, I've been playing with it conceptually for a long, long time, and um, I um, I played with it in virtual terms. I played with it on the computer, right? I make computer models because that's what I do. And uh, eventually I contacted Ken Snelson because, or he found me because of uh, what I what I had done. And he's oh, like, wow. Uh, how, how long ago, how long ago was that? That would have been in the early noughts. Wow. Uh, so the okay. early 2000s and uh, he's passed since then. But yes, uh, I, I went to Manhattan on a pilgrimage and I spent a day with him. Wow. What was that like? That was fantastic. I was just like, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> and he, you know, was to show me around his studio and stuff. And we talked and we had dinner and everything. So that was like super for me. It was like amazing. And also in uh, 2012, I, um, I, on a whim, I, um, I went to the, the very first biotensegrity interest group meeting in St. Malo, France. That's where I met all this crowd, the uh, biotensegrity okay. crowd. Mm -hmm. And uh, the reason I went is because, of course, I had been playing with Tensegrity, you know, in, in virtual, and I made a couple of models, but they were not really uh, worth mention. Uh, so I had some things to show to them uh, on, on the screen, and you know, interesting enough because 
I do things virtually. So I've, I'm, a, I'm much more free to make really sort of elaborate and interesting things and, and test them out without having to take the time to build them physically, right? Right. So what, what, uh, how hard is it to build a tensegrity model in the virtual world? Uh, well, uh, not really that hard, I suppose. Uh, it's hard to say because it's, it's, I've been doing it for too long. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. You don't... And I'm also like, a, I was sort of a hardcore uh, software developer, and I still am. I'm working daily on, on a Tensegrity project right now in, in uh, you know, on the computer. So uh, it's just, it's my nature kind of, and I have a lot of fun with it. So I, it's hard to judge how hard it is. It's actually a very, very simple model. Mm -hmm. It's just that it has some really interesting implications. And uh, basically, the thing that's hard about it for programming-wise is that everything is is sort of connected to everything. So right. that, that complicates things for, for programming somewhat. But I found my ways around that, and I've, uh, I've uh, been able to do a lot of really interesting experiments with it. And then, uh, well, I, are we... Are we on the podcast now, or are we I think still... we kind of are. It's just sort of flowing, so I'm just going with it. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. Uh, but if we could loop back uh, a little bit to when you were visiting with Kenneth Nelson, now at that point, did you have any idea of biotensegrity? Did that come up in discussion? No, not at all. Yeah, not at all. My, I saw him. He was here giving a lecture at the Carnegie Museum of Fine Art because uh, we rededicated a sculpture that he did. We basically moved it from one place in the city to right by the museum. And he had no interest in biotensegrity. He no, did not it... see that as being a thing. But at that point, and he died within a year or so after I saw him, he was intensely interested in basket weaving. <laughs> that yeah. was his new thing. And I was yeah, thinking... Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> <Yeah>. Connective <laughs> tissue weaving, baskets, collagen—it all just kind of went. Whoop, but I thought I'm not—I'm not, I'm not going to ask him about that because it's just—it's not going to—it's not going to go anywhere. My um, sort of entry into that was via the virtual models that I had made because I could demonstrate sort of you know live uh, integrity models that are a lot sort of bigger than you could make if you had to make them physically. Like I. I built virtual tensegrities much more uh, elaborate than Snelson could ever build them in real life. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the same principles apply. So I was able to see a lot of things in tensegrity that, uh, that people before just hadn't been able to see. And um, so I got uh, triggered to uh, really approach uh, things differently when the, when the coronavirus hit because I had all sorts of time mm -hmm. and I got myself a studio and I resolved to do something that I always wanted to do. And that was to build actual physical models with my hand because I had never done that before. So you had been building virtual models for several decades. Yes. Well, for a couple at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And then it's yeah. like, I, I want to make these things real. Yeah, exactly. And I, I want to, um, I mean, the thing about Tensegrity that I found, I made a couple of models for myself. And the thing that you find, I mean, I've got one right here in my head. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's really nice. You, there's, there's things that you can't sort of get into your head unless you've got it in your hand. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, for me, I mean, I had been doing virtual things forever on this stuff. And I had done all sorts of, you know, as far as I'm concerned, wonderful experiments with it. You know, it was just totally fun to do. But um, all I could ever do was like turn my computer to someone and say, look at my screen. Here's a tensegrity. <laughs> yeah. It was never real. No, it was and in your head. It was amazing. But I'm sure not everybody you showed it to had the same level of amazement. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, it was, uh, you know, it was a real uh, realization for me to actually build them because there are some extreme challenges when you have to build. I mean, by building, I got a hell of a lot more respect for Ken Snelson, <laughs> for one thing. And um I also, uh, my whole approach has been to refine and refine and simplify so that this yeah. becomes sort of available to everybody. So what, what were some of the challenges? The, challenge that, 3D the challenges that you have when you're building Tensegrity, and uh, by the way, this is one of the things that the Biotensegrity group mm -hmm. really uh, continues to 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 focus on is you you kind of have to build them yourself you kind of have to have them in your hands and you have to know how how it feels and how it is to build but the thing about tensegrities is that they really only get their integrity they get you know they get their shape mm -hmm. when they're tight and right. while you're building they're not tight so in other words, it's very difficult to, to, to build because it's all floppy while you're building. And only at the end does it all tighten up and take shape. So that's, that's the real challenge. And that's why, you know, a lot of people will have probably started building a tensegrity and then just sort of given up in frustration because it's, it's really frustrating because you only get things the way they should be at the end of the process and not during. So I had to figure out a way around this, which is why I, I focused for a couple of years uh, right after the, the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And um, I focused on figuring out ways to make it more doable and more accessible. So what I came up with is, is, uh, is an idea. I can show this to you on the screen here. You're listening. Yeah, it's, hear it, but... You've got, so, so what I'm seeing is I'm seeing the compression struts, the, yeah. the stainless steel tubes, if you will, but they've got end pieces on them with a plastic right. cap that the tensional wiring goes through. Is that the idea That's you're right. talking about? Yes. Okay. So at the end of these tubes is bolts and nuts. And I've come up with a little bit of a design which simplified things a lot, and that is to make the bolt into a push bolt. So, you know, bolts typically, you know, tie something down. Right. But these bolts are pushing instead. So they're pushing up against the... Yeah, they're effectively like the lengthening. They're effectively yeah. lengthening the bars. Okay. When you turn the nuts, you lengthen the bars. Mm -hmm. So this uh, this allowed me to do something, and uh, that that uh, that became the, the the absolute foundation of all my efforts, which I put on a website called pretense.com. All my uh, I've blogged all the uh, all the work that I've done, and so what I was able to do was I was able to prefabricate the tension, and that changed everything because mm -hmm. I could make. The entire tension network out of very, very 
tough tension, rigid. This uh, this material I'm using, it's called Dyneema. That's the it elastic was, material. Well, it's not actually elastic. That's the key. Okay. It's very, very tight. It's uh, it's super strong. It's kind of like steel cable, but it's okay. much easier to handle. Ah. It was invented uh, for the, in the high-end sailing world, like world competition sailing, a bunch of years ago. And then it was commercialized, and uh, it's uh, it's now available. You can just uh, you can just order uh, spools of it, of course. Mm -hmm. And um, this cord that I'm using now is typically used for hang uh, for um, um, kite surfing. Okay. Because if you're hanging from a kite, well, one thing you want sort of thin cables. You don't want you know thick things. Not even as thick as a parachute. You know, it has to be kind of thinner. And if it's stretchy, you, you yeah, can't kite surf. No, you're going to crash into the sea. Or right. Worse. It's to, you, you, because these cables are quite long too, right? When you're kite surfing. So it really has to be non-stretchy. So I happened upon this really early on, this, this non-stretchy material. And uh, the, the curse of tensegrity that most people suffer with is the mm -hmm. fact that you have to make the tension at the end using tension. You have to, you have yeah. to tie something up mm -hmm. that's under tension. Yeah, or slide and that's into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's horribly difficult. So I, from the very beginning of my projects, I discovered this idea, wait a second, I'm going to prefabricate the tension. So I've got basically tension on the one side and compression on the other side, and I'm going to make the compression adjustable. Very so smart. basically, you have this sort of little cable network mm -hmm. and you put these bars into it. You just slip them in when everything is all slack and relaxed. So it's not hard at all, right? And then you start tightening the nuts. Right, ratchet up the tension. Yeah, exactly. And you can go to extremes on that too. You can actually get a wrench and tighten it up and make it absurdly tight because these cables will not break and the bars will not bend. So wow. you can make this thing outrageously tight. Now in that model that you're holding up, how many cables are there? It's not just one cable, right? No, it's uh, the, each segment is its own cable. I figured <laughs> okay. out a way to, to make them uh, carry the tension. That took a lot of research. You can find it all on my site. I went from very naive to being able to make something like this. Mm, Truly, that, like the that, first that, ones I'm... It's called research. <laughs> oh, man. The, the, the first ones I made were so difficult mm -hmm. and so time-consuming. And uh, now I've got techniques that make it so much easier and so much faster. And then um, there's an added advantage here, because look at this. I mean, you can't, maybe your listeners can't see this, but I have a tensegrity in my hand. And if I mm -hmm. pull on it a bit and turn a nut or two... What I can do really easily is make it completely loose. Yep, that took about five seconds for him to take it from a very taut one to a very loose one. It was incredible. Yeah, and the loose one just, just wobbles back and forth. And you can play with this and, uh, and decide for yourself how tight you want it to be. And it can go from very loose to very tight. So something that's loose like this can flop around, but it also has restrictions. It can't go further than this. It can't go further than this. So it's limited, but at the same time, it's, uh, it's loose. 
So that's fascinating to me. And that's also something for me that seems very relevant to the fascia community. Okay. Tell me. Because, because you can sort of play with this and, and play with the degree of, of tautness of the tensegrity and change it and change it and change it until you adjust it. And I think this is a very useful sort of educational tool. So, um, so it turns out that, that uh, I've, I've been able to uh, provide this for, uh, for a number of uh, people in this, in this uh, you know, fascia community. And they uh, have very happy customers because they I really find so, this. They, they are the nicest models I've ever seen. And I've done yeah. it. I've, I've built a number of them over the years. And it can be very frustrating. It's very frustrating. And what often happens, what almost always happens, by the way, is people build these things with kind of elastic or rubber. Right. And that does not survive over time. No, and it doesn't travel well. It doesn't travel well. It also gets just simply weak over time because that's, that's the nature of it. But this stuff does not get weaker over time. It's remarkable material. It's kind of like a wonder material. If you look on my site, pretensed.com with P-R-E-T and S-T. It'll be, it'll be in the show notes. Yeah, there's, um, I've, I've been able to create like elaborate, tall, complicated structures and tighten them up after the fact by turning nuts. And then uh, what you notice is that the next day it has sagged a little bit because all of the knots have pulled a little tighter. Mm -hmm. So all you have to do is tighten a few nuts again and the thing is back up and tight. And you do that for two or three days and then you no longer have to do it. That sounds like and I'm I've working these... on my day job with humans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, so, yeah, what I've been able to do is make things that are like uh, uh, tensegrities with many elements in them, like uh, far above what Ken Snelson was ever capable of, first of all, mm -hmm. because I first modeled them all in the computer. Right. So I know exactly what to build and I get hundreds and hundreds of exact to the millimeter lengths out of the computer program. And as a result, I can build something with rigid tension with like tendons with this 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 tough, mm -hmm. tough tension yeah. so the dynamas you can get the exact size not an approximate size exactly i cut them to uh, or i cut them and and, <clears throat> and shape them uh, to uh, maybe a half millimeter accurate wow so i have, to, so I have to tell you a story here when i was trying to get permission to use photographs from kenneth nelson's archives in my book um i was having not a very good time at that point kenneth had passed away i didn't know about that yet and it was the we tried so many different avenues to try to get in touch in in some ways with his estate and we finally did we contacted his widow and she said it could be okay but i need to see the writing first i need to see how these are going to be used mm -hmm. and i said sure fine we are like a week out from like having to just cut it completely uh, for production reasons. And she came back and she said, if you change this one word, I'm happy with it. You can use it, but I want to see that you changed it. And that's something I like about your model too, because I had been given a definition for years about tensegrity that it was 
uh, discontinuous compression struts in a tensional network of continuous, uh, I'm sorry, you know, compression, uh, discontinuous compression members in a continuous matrix of uh, tensional mm-hmm. uh, members, uh, wire. And she said, you use the word continuous, it's contiguous. Mm, yeah, very if good point. If this was continuous, we never would have been able to build these things. Yeah, and that's it was a just very like, good point. Boom. Oh my God, one letter, a one letter difference. And then part of me is like, wow, I've been doing this definition wrong for years. Mm-hmm. So I am I'm very grateful to to Kenneth's widow for saying, hey, you got something wrong here. And if you fix that, I'm, I'm, I'm fine to give you a pass on everything else. But I thought you'd appreciate yeah. that story. Yeah, in in fact, uh, you can see if you go through the uh, my blog of all my uh, my sordid efforts to uh, refine my techniques, uh, there was a point at which I was really putting in an effort to make loops of tension. Okay, and uh, I thought that would be superior, right? Because it's just uh, and and it did help, but there's a problem with that because there's a slipping that happens if you don't connect it to the to the connection points to the nodes then then it can slip around so um, eventually I arrived at a technique that allowed me to connect um, these cords using knots to a ring of, uh, of metal mm-hmm. and these knots carry all the force they don't slip loose and they don't uh, you know they transfer the tension force perfectly from one place to the next now did you find that on the shelf or did you have to get that designed and machined no the uh, the only thing i designed was the little cap that i put on to make the push bolt concept to make this bolt pushing and that's something i didn't use for a while i mean I, i i built a whole bunch of things without that and i was even selling structures without that uh, but this made it so much easier to build that I got myself a 3D printer and I figured out what exact shape would be appropriate for this. And I made, you know, 10 different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And I eventually got to the point where this was just the, the perfect little sort of addition that turned a bolt into a push bolt and made it super convenient. So now the kit, when people uh, get the kit from me and, and put it together, it's actually not that difficult because all you have to do is tie some knots on rings and then uh, and then these push bolts sort of pop into the ring and it, it becomes super easy and then all you have to do is, is lengthen the bars and the whole thing gets tight and then people can play with the level of tension i think that's a, a super educational tool it's uh, it allows you to to really play with uh, tensegrity both being tight and being loose being loose but not elastic loose you know right. That's a big and difference. so yeah, That's a big difference. This was uh, I, I'm just uh, I was just over overjoyed when I finally came up with these techniques because this was uh, something I always wanted to have in my hands, but I could never build it myself because everything I built was kind of crappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I want I want to stress here too for uh, you body worker folks in the listening audience. When you have a tensegrity model in your hand and you can really play with it and understand the tensional dynamics, it translates a bit better into taking those same principles into the bodies that you're treating. It definitely helps flip a switch that turns this model into something more biomechanically useful. 
And what's uh, what's what's funny for me right now is I'm watching you say these things and you're saying them with your eyes closed. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how you should experience a tensegrity. <laughs> you should close your you're eyes. Mm-hmm. You should close your eyes and you should squeeze it and turn it and, and do everything with it in your hands. But, so it's like a meditation tool. <laughs> and and sure. And because what, what you're doing when you're in the body and sometimes, you know, my eyes are open and observing how the body's reacting. Sometimes they're closed because I'm really concentrating. But you begin to you begin to feel things happening at a distance. You begin to yep. sense that tension going places where your hands aren't, which is really important. Yeah, and with uh, with this kind of a model, if you uh, if you just adjust it a little bit so that it's a bit loose, I'm turning the nuts now to make it loose. You can see it's sort of floppy around then. Um, putting that in your hands and then making changes with your eyes closed, like twisting it and stuff like that, then you feel that it it easily deforms, but then it reaches a point when it stops deforming and it will not go any further because these cables are very tendon-like you know they do not stretch yeah so so you can you can get a feeling for something that is essentially like free to move but past a certain point you start to see that it resists moving and then it resists it seriously so this is a really you know you get a visceral sense of looseness and tightness and i'm sure that's a useful thing for 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 a therapist it's a very useful thing. So you mentioned the Fascia Congress in Montreal, and I know you and I had, had some discussions prior to the conference, but that was uh, your, your first time there at that event. And you had your models in a few prominent places, and they were used in the in the art event, uh, the one night of the conference. How how were they received in general by the public? By the yeah, well, that uh, my. Uh... I connected up with May Kessler uh, because she, uh, she she got an opportunity to do that uh, dance and she wanted to do something very, you know, something that would speak to the fascia audience. So um, uh, doing it with Tensegrity was, uh, seemed appropriate to her. And so she contacted me and we figured out how uh, we could integrate the two. We could integrate dance with Tensegrity. And uh, so it, it eventually worked out, and I took a suitcase full of tensegrity <laughs> over yes, to Montreal. I'm actually uh, quite happy that it didn't get stopped at the border, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah, Canadian customs can be tough. Yeah, so um, it, it, basically the dance performance was my excuse to go to Montreal. And, uh, and, and then when I arrived in Montreal, I was, I was completely taken aback by uh, how receptive people were. Um, like I, I spent uh, quite a long time talking to Tom Myers, and I gave him a couple of models and sold him some other ones. And uh, I, I talked to Bill Parisi. Uh, and I'm also, I'm, uh, on March 5th, I'm going to be doing a webinar on Tensegrity for Bill Parisi's uh, school. Excellent. And I think I see and, you're uh, doing something with Chris and Ann Frederick also, aren't you? That's right. That's what we're doing together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah, that's super. Uh, that's going to be very, very interesting because um, I, um, I talked to Bill sort of at length about this and uh, he uh, came up with the idea of doing a webinar. And I said, under one condition, and that is everybody participating has to have one of my models in their hands. Doesn't work very because well if they don't. 
because it's useless if they don't. And I know this from years and years of, of having Tensegrity, you know, wonderfully implemented in the computer. It, you know, uh, you can't draw these things very well. And even when they're 3D models, you don't get it. It's only when you can use your hands. So, um, so that's, uh, he, he was okay with that. So we were prepared with a bunch of kits and, and everybody participating in the webinar will have one of these kits in their hand. And my first job is to get everyone to construct them. Well, that sounds like a really good way to go about it as opposed to sitting there. Every, every time I built one of these things successfully, it's always been under guidance as opposed to when yeah. I've tried to do them mm -hmm. by myself much 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 easier and i was just happy to see a representation of it uh, at yeah. the time because i can remember the, the first fascia congress in 2007 donald ingber was there oh wow which was fantastic and i feel like in the ensuing years other than maybe a pre-conference interest group meetup uh the the tensegrity aspect is kind of dropped off the radar a bit in the larger world of the fascia congress and i think it's an important principle that needs to continue to have some representation so yeah but it's a hard that... it's a hard thing it's a hard thing to sort of communicate if you don't have the actual models and if they don't last over time and stuff like that by the way at the conference i was also very uh gratified to see that the the freya exhibit wanted to have its integrity to put in their display right from yes. the start that yes. was super exciting too yeah it was lovely to see it there on, a, on, on the one hand that was a complete outsider at this Congress. I mean, I completely enjoyed all of the presentations because there was a lot of, you know, good hard science and, uh, and uh, very, very interesting things. And, and I'm, you know, interested to learn about fascia, but it's not my thing necessarily. I, I, my, my focus is on these models, but I saw a real sort of uh, yeah, synergy or something. Uh, uh, and uh, the this webinar that we're doing, uh, one of the greatest things about it, in my view, is that everybody is going to have one of these things afterwards as well, because you know they get to keep this uh, this thing that they build, and so they will. On the one hand, they will have the experience of starting from nothing, and then constructing a tensegrity that's tight if they want it to be tight and it uh, and it, it, it will stay that way for years to come. So you've always got this sort of thing that you can put somewhere and refer to and uh, and I think they're kind of beautiful too. <laughs> well, I, I have one in my office that I found in a toy store in Amsterdam, but mm. I, want, I want one of yours. It's better. Okay, well, it's better. I'll get you one, I'll get you one. <laughs> In fact, uh, for your listeners, I've I've uh, I've set up a, a discount code called uh, what's your podcast called? Body Talk. Right. So the code is Body Talk. <laughs> okay, that's easy. And so anybody who's listening can get a, a thirty percent discount. Thank you so much. I don't do this uh, for the money because I haven't. I've only lost money on this. Uh, but it's just. Uh, I mean, I have. I get so much joy from these structures mm -hmm. and they just make me face. happy they just yeah, make me happy yeah. yeah and uh i just want to spread that joy i want to think i want to i want to have everybody's hands on these things well that's a wonderful wonderful life mission 
Gerald, thank you for making time to be on the show today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to another installment of Body Talk. And as a special offer, Gerald is offering all Body Talk listeners 30% off your own 10 Segrity model kit. And the code is Body Talk. And there'll be a link in the show notes to his website where you can go order your model, put in that discount code, and it's yours for 30% off just for being a Body Talk listener. Thank you very much. And particularly in this attention economy, if you give me your attention, I will continue to make it worth your time. Please support the show. Like it, subscribe to it, follow it. Whatever the thing is where you get your podcast, that actually gets me bumped up in the ratings. And that's really, really good. If you want to support the show and get a little swag, you can go to patreon.com backslash Body Talk Radio. This is David Lasondak for Body Talk. See you next time.